Hallelujah. Forever we'll sing hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I've enjoyed the singing this morning. And uh, particularly that first uh, song that we sang, the theology of that song is right on what I want to talk about today. Last few weeks, or a few months I suppose, I've felt incredibly encouraged by this congregation. I love being part of it. Uh, it's a great joy to me and I hope it is to you as well. May the Lord bless you this morning. Last time I spoke, which was, uh, I'll just press a button here, Dave, can I? Um, back in September, this chapter, the, uh, this passage in John, 1 John 4, 7 to 12, reflects what I was talking about at that time. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We've just been singing about it. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, don't play with your collar when you're talking. <laughs> Sorry about that. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I think that passage pretty well sums up what I was talking about because we said that Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he would come and make his abode in us. And uh, his commandment was that uh, we are to love one another as he has loved us. And by this shall all men know that we are his disciples. And I believe, recognise the truth of that. Now, as many of you know, the word that is translated love in all of these instances, is the word agape, which is the Greek word for godly love. There are other forms of love which are spoken of in the scripture. Uh, philia, and I noticed philia here this morning, which is brotherly love, the affection between friends. There's storge, sorge, love, which is between family members, sort of the intimate sort of relationships between parents and children and what have you. And then there's eros, which is that physical attraction and intimacy which hopefully occurs within marriage. <laughs> Agape is godly love. It is sacrificial. It's 
unconditional and directed to the well-being of others. Because in English we use one word for love, what we're talking about when we're talking about love in the context of loving one another scripturally can be um, confusing in our minds. So it's a question that I wanted to talk about this morning. The thing I want to talk about this morning is what is agape love? All of Christ's teachings, parables, behaviour and sacrifices help us in understanding what agape love is like and I will come back to that later. But I want to have, first of all, a look at 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul talks about love and he gives quite a good description of it. A lot of that description is what love is not. The other day, a very sweet voice said, David, come and have a look at this lovely parrot. The next minute, the kitchen window flew open. Ah, get away, you parrot, eating my gold buddy rose. I think one could conclude that wasn't unconditional love. <laughs> I've had occasion to hear that <laughs> on many occasions, well, several occasions, particularly when I'm driving the car. But I have in my heart a belief that, uh, nevertheless, she has towards me an unconditional love. <laughs> Let's have a look at this. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Here it is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Dear friends, I'm speaking to you of the way which leads to life is the way of agape love. And those who walk in it will know joy and peace. It is the way of kindness and patience. There is no place in the way for jealousy, boasting, arrogance, rudeness, self-seeking, irritableness, keeping scores of wrong or enjoying sin. Those who walk in this way rejoice in the truth and look to protect each other, continue to believe for each other, hope for each other and persevere for each other. This is the glorious life of the Father, marvellously lived on earth by our Lord Jesus and for which the human race was created and to which we are called. This is the way that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit behave. We know this because it's the way that Jesus behaved on earth. The consequences of sin distorts our vision 
impacts our behaviour and lowers our hope. The devil is ranting around, creating his confusion, but he is powerless against the life of agape love. Our Father is patient and kind and all of his promises towards us in Jesus are yes and amen. Amongst the writings of the earliest Christians, there is a letter believed to be written in the 1st or 2nd century and known as the Epistle to Diognetus. It was written by a Christian, possibly a disciple of the Apostles, and sets out for Diognetus details of the Christian faith because Diognetus was inquiring about it. This is a lovely document and I want to just take a couple of excerpts from it now for your encouragement because it occurred very early in the Christian church. Was he sent, think you, this is the disciple writing to Diognetus, was he sent, think you, as any man might suppose, to establish a sovereignty to inspire fear and terror? Not so, but in the gentleness and meekness has he sent him. As a king might send his son, who is a king, he sent him. As sending, a, send, as sending God, he sent him as a man unto men. He sent him as saviour, as using persuasion, not force, for force is no attribute of God. He sent him as summoning, not as persecuting. He sent him as loving, not as judging. And then again, wrong way, for God, the master and creator of the universe, who made all things and arranged them in order, was found to be not only friendly to men, but also long-suffering. And such indeed he was always and is and will be kindly and good and dispassionate and true, and he alone is good. Listen, arrogance, envy, jealousy, indecency, irritableness, resentfulness, Falling after sinful things is very hard work. And they yield broken relationships, sorrow and isolation. Meekness, lowliness and forgiveness in the Holy Spirit yield a life of fellowship, joy and peace. Once you grasp it, the choice is easy. In our pilgrimage to sonship, from people caught up in the knowledge of good and evil, we are undergoing a transformation into the delight and joy of union with Jesus. The consequences of sin can render living painful and hard and the road of transformation can be bitter and painful as we discover our inadequacies, our errant attitudes and our self-interest. We have walked as Adam walked, we have talked as Adam talked, We have eaten of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. 
As members of the human race, sons and daughters of Adam, every day we see, feel and know the consequences of sin. In the Spirit, Jesus calls us to a better ground, an easier ground, lived in communion with him and the love of each other. It is from that ground that we can impact the world so that others may know and enjoy the fullness of life. Last time I, I spoke, I sang a little song about living on the mountaintop. There is a hymn I especially like to recall in the summertime. It's not one that I sang when I was a child. I discovered it later around the time when I sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it goes like this. Summer suns are glowing over land and sea. Happy light is flowing, bound to fall and free. Everything rejoices in the mellow rays. All earth's thousand voices swell the psalm of praise. God's free mercy streameth over all the world, and his banner gleameth everywhere unfurled. Broad and deep and glorious as the heaven above, shines in might victorious his eternal love. I only noticed when I was uh, putting this down that the word bountiful occurs in both the two songs. But it seems to me that bountiful is a wonderful description of what the Lord has for us as we love one another. At the end of the passage of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, in the first verse of chapter 14, Paul says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Says <laughs> wonderful, isn't she? Hands in the pocket. Thank you, Rob. Uh, yes, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. The word spiritual gifts there in the Greek is pneumatikos. And that word is not so much the bestowing of gifts as it is uh, living, in, within, with, living spiritually, living in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about the charisma. But uh, it's that life of the Spirit amongst us uh, that we need uh, in order to always know what is kind and what is not kind. And I emphasise that Jesus said that that spirit, spirituality will be an outcome of our love for each other. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, um, as uh, we pursue, uh, that the time would come that we will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit to deliver us, us from wrong emotions, wrong attachments, wrong ambitions and fears. We'll be more and more able to minister to each other in love as we are willing. The joy within the community and our daily life will be extraordinary. Don't you think? Amen. The activity of the Holy Spirit within our community is so important. Only the Holy Spirit can put a clear light on difficult situations. 
We can be worn out by difficult circumstances, both within our own lives and others to whom we are reaching out, but never breaking the power of it. That can be very tiresome. In those situations, we need the Holy Spirit word on it. In Ephesians 6 to 17, Paul tells us that the word of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, is the word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirits, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, the Spirit of God is able to do what we in the natural can't do, and we need him. I think the story of the rich young ruler is a very good illustration of why we, need, why we in our thinking need the Holy Spirit. If you were like, ever like me and read that story, you, would, you may have thought, oh, poor old fellow, he didn't make the grade. But I've come to see that Jesus actually ministered to him beautifully. And I'd like to just read that story to you now. In Mark 10 to 17 it says, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to, it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible to God. We know that salvation comes from acceptance of the death of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins, and not through our own works on which we can boast. We also know that the acceptance of Jesus follows an understanding of our poverty of spirit and a recognition of our need in the face of God's righteousness. We know that the love of Jesus will minister to this young man, don't we, when he looked at him and loved him. We know that Jesus is going to minister to him. He's not going to leave him forsaken. And I believe that that young man went away from Jesus in a much better position than when he first came to him, believing that he could keep all his commandments. The first thing Jesus did was to say, tell him, look, 
why do you call me good? There's none good but the Father. So that sort of strikes that out. Then he looked on him and loved him. And thirdly, Jesus, by the Spirit, challenged him at the point of his weakness, which well, took the rug out from under his feet and left him in a place, I think, where he uh, had to be thinking about his own frailty, his own inability. At that point, I believe we are open then to the word of God, to the salvation work. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then to the disciples' amazement, Jesus goes on to say, look, all things are possible to God. You might think it's impossible, but it's all things are possible to God. So I went off thinking he went away in a better position. Uh, and these are the things I think that the Holy Spirit can instruct us on. In Matthew, this story is followed by the following parable. Matthew 21 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the labourers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I'll give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyards too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the labourers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm not doing you any wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Does this challenge your sense of fairness? I know it does mine, or did mine. I've worked all day. I've only got a denarius. He came on at the last moment. He's got a denarius. What's going on here? That's the difference between the Lord and us. And we need the Holy Spirit to soak alive in our hearts that we will be overjoyed that the last person got denarius as well as we got denarius. Do you see what I'm saying? There is a difference between the kindness of God and what the kindness, how, what the limits are to our, our kindness. God is a generous God. And if our heart is full of love, then we'll be grateful that, and joy, joyful that this person has been standing around all day and he hasn't done any work, but he's been looking for work. He gets a denarius too. It's fabulous. It's wonderful. The life of Christ, the life of God. It's generous. It's outgoing. And we don't, if we, if we live in the grudge, it becomes hard work. 
if we rejoice with the other, it's easy. The way of Jesus Christ is easy if we just grasp it because it's a way of meekness or lowliness, uh, not sticking up for our digs. It's joyful. It's looking for the welfare of others. It's self-sacrificing. It's fantastic. Jesus said he is the way, the truth and the life. The way is a pathway of meekness, loneliness and sacrificial. It's agape. Over recent months I've been encouraged by the growing spiritual desire which is evident in our community at Hills, CFC. The testimony of the ladies' groups last week was beautiful. People are hungry after Jesus and are looking to walk every day in the Spirit of the Lord. I think that's magnificent. I pray that more and more will be released into the life of the Spirit. The whole body will be embraced and quickened as we seek to love each other more and more. Discover greater and greater depths to that love. Cast out the fears that can beset us and liberate us to live by the Spirit on the mountaintop. Ministering life to those who are still captive in the fallen world. Family, I believe in the body of Christ. And through that body, not just some of you, but all of you, there is the power of Jesus for our transformation and the salvation of others. Now this morning, I want to give time for us to pray for one another. If you're like me, then you know that still within you there may be fears, anxieties, troublesome habits, perhaps a lack of patience, or maybe an inability to rejoice over others' good fortune. The other night I woke up feeling anxiety over things to be done. I sometimes in my little nightly track to that little room out the back, come back to bed and, and I'm awake, and I think about this and think about that and think about things. And that night I had a sort of an oppression and I prayed and I spoke in tongues for a while and, and looked to rest in the Lord, which I have believed that he's been challenging me at recently to enter into his rest. And shortly after, the burden left me. It was like a curtain being pulled away. One moment depressed, the next a free spirit. I believe that's what he has for us. And I believe as we love each other and minister to one another, uh, we will know a greater, greater liberty and a greater living within the spirituality of Jesus Christ. So here we are together, loving one another, aren't we? Are we? Loving one another. It's a wonderful environment to be in an environment of loving one another. What better environment can release us from things that bind us? And why not be set free or freer 
than we've been? Why be bound by anything? Why not enter into the fullness of the joy of loving one another and liberty of spirit? So I'm going to ask you to join with me in praying for one another. Maybe, I know that there'll be, I presume there's some people who've been allocated to pray down in the front tonight today. Um, and they will be here. And if there's something, if the Holy Spirit is quickening you at the moment about something that you need to bring to him, be set free of. I don't know whether that will happen today, but I know there's a fantastic joy to be, heard, to be known as we pray for one another. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but why not enter into joy? You may turn to your neighbour where you are, or you may and say, look, I've got this which is really bothering me. Just pray for me, please. Um, maybe you have a word for someone. Holy Spirit gives a word. Might be in you now. Someone there that you want to give a word to. We can do that, can't we? In the liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. So, if that's the case, go to them and share it. Let us be the body of Christ together. I'm just going to give you a little bit of time to think about it. If you'd like to come down here for prayer and seek prayer for someone, but just let the Holy Spirit quicken you. Is this something that uh, you'd like to be rid of, you'd like to cut the action off. I, I, I believe it can happen today. Over to you, everybody. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Don't feel embarrassed. Rejoice in the Lord. And take the opportunity to pray with one another and love one another.